Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening as we wind down 2015 and begin to enter into 2016. And I can't wait to see what the new year is going to bring because this past year has been quite fascinating for me. Um, as you all know, launched this radio show. It's been a top podcast. It, it was new and noteworthy. It's done amazingly. And I am so grateful to all of you listening to the show now, listening to it live on iHeartRadio or on Waxy AMFM. Or, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and you're anywhere around the world, in your car, at your houses, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are such a blessing to me. And I am grateful that I get to do this every day because you don't might not realize this, but this lights my day up. This is my favorite part of the week is this time that I share with you when I get to bring you amazing people that teach you and show you how the right questions truly can change your life. And I'd love to hear from you. Tweet out to me at, at the Laura Stewart some of the new questions that you've learned or the answers you've gotten because of the questions you're now asking. Love, love, love to hear from all of you. And my guest today is one of my favorite people on the planet. We met before my book came out. She was speaking at an author event where I met my agents, I met my publishers, and um, and where I got my book deal. And what I love about her is everything. <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm sitting here, Melissa, and, you know, I'm going to do your bio and introduce you in a moment, but... You know, there's just something about you, and just every time we talk, or I know we're going to talk, or I get an email from you, I just light up. I lift up. So thank you, even though the people don't know who I'm talking to right now. Thank you for lighting me up. (laughs) Thank you. That was a great way to start the day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Yeah, and it it is West Coast time for you, so that means it's 8 a.m., so you are starting your day. (laughs) So let me introduce you to those who don't know who I am talking about. Um, My guest today is Melissa Tassetti. She is a nationally recognized author of the book Living the Savvy Life, The Savvy Woman's Guide to Smart Spending and Rich Living, one of my favorite books, and it's a book that I highly recommend everybody get. She is a speaker, a teacher on the topic of personal finance from, I love this, a lifestyle perspective. She is the author of the international best-selling book Living the Savvy Life I just told you about. She is a spokesperson for Quicken. In 2013, she teaches courses on savvy living, is regularly quoted in national media, is a friend, um, a mentor, and somebody every time I go shopping and get a great deal I think about. So please welcome (laughs) Melissa Tassetti to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for that great introduction. You know, I'm I'm wearing an outfit that I got for Christmas. It's, uh, you know, a a shirt that says, note to self, relax, and... (laughs) And denim capris, because, I mean, I mean, we're in Florida, right? It's like California. Right. You have to have the, the appropriate clothing. And I was trying to total up this morning as I was getting dressed how much this outfit cost. And when I figured it out, I realized that I got the shirt for $4 from 80 to $4. Brilliant. And oh the pants were, I think they were 90-something, and I got them for, I think, $11. So let me ask you a question. Do you love the outfit? I do. It lights me up. It's, it fill, fits what I call in my book the really, really, really test. You the know, really, really, really test? Yeah. Like, 
if you say I really want something, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just saying, well, it's probably a, a want or a, a you know like an emotional thing. If I really really want something, then there's a lot more tied to it. But if I can say I really 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 love that or want that, then more than likely there's something more than an immediate want in there and you're probably going to wear it a lot and it's going to stay in your closet for more than one wearing. I love that. And that and that's exactly it. It's it's really about just bringing into your life whether it's the clothes you wear or the things into your home that that you are madly in love with and surrounding yourself with those things and really just kind of saying no to the other things that just have a tendency to distract you from your bigger goals. Yeah, and I know we're going to talk more about this but I want to share with everybody one of the things that you teach and talk about that I love, which relates to this, which is if there is some thing that you want, a vacation, a car, paying off your mortgage, doing whatever it may be, you say, get your credit card and put a post-it note or something on it so that every time you go to take it out of your wallet to spend it on something that may not be taking you towards that goal, it's a reminder Exactly, and you and it it's, it's it just asks you a question, right? Which <laughs> is what we're here for. It asks you the question: Is this something that you would rather spend your money on, or would you prefer to to save it for said vacation, said other item? Um, it's just it's, it's it, you know living life constantly asking yourself these questions and comparing it to the things you know the the bigger goals. That's how you get there. Now, what put you on this path? Because you have an amazing online magazine, you do so many amazing things with this whole Savvy Life brand and concept, but how did you get there? So I got myself in a world of hurt financially. <laughs> Good way to put it. Um, one, one of the things that um, I am a big advocate of is just the day-to-day financial education and the fact that we don't receive it. You know, most people are not taught by their parents about money. Most people are not taught uh, um, through school about money. And and if you really think about it, any lessons that were taught 20 or 30 years ago just do not apply anymore because our financial lives are so complicated with technology and the way that cash flows in and out of our lives, Um, cash meaning just money. Um, So back in the day when it was simpler, I got myself into a lot of credit card debt and I decided that it would be a brilliant idea to move from my little um, farming community of Fresno, California, to the San Francisco Bay Area, where the cost of living was about three times what it was there, um, and just realized that I got myself into the mess and I needed to figure out how to get out. So I started working two jobs to pay down that debt. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a long story, which I, I won't get into the details of, but what ended up coming out of it is after a year of working those two jobs, um, I was able to pay off the debt, but I still didn't have any money skills. So I spent the next two years of my life being terrified to spend money on anything that wasn't an absolute need. And I kind of imprisoned myself in this extreme frugal lifestyle when it was really just a matter of a lack of education. And so when I started to kind of realize that, I started to just read everything I could get my hands on about day-to-day money Um, and not just, you know, how to track your spending or ways to put more money into savings, but you had mentioned about looking at, you know, teaching finances from a lifestyle perspective. 
I really looked at how our spending in all these areas of our life on clothes, on food, on travel and entertainment, really trying to find that balance, right? Because I had overspent and that got me in trouble. And then I lived this extremely frugal lifestyle for two years and that was just miserable. (laughs) So what I was trying to find for myself was a balance. And that really is what this idea of savvy living is it's how do you build a strong financial foundation create your emergency savings account put money into retirement but be able to enjoy the journey buy the clothes that you want to buy that you really want to buy visit the places that you really want to visit and so that's what i taught myself how to do by trial and error and then over the course of the last 17 years of doing this um in the last 10 years i've, I've built this business and started working with people it's such an interesting journey that you, you talk about. You know, I've always had money, and now I'm in a position where I haven't been working a lot because I'm caregiving for my mom, so the cash flow has not been coming in for the last couple of years between my divorce and everything. And all of a sudden, I'm really having to think about it more. And as I was listening to you mm-hmm. tell your story, I'm like, all right, I need to reread Melissa's book. <laughs> And there's a chapter in my book on finances where I talk about a lot of these same questions to be asking yourself. And I just realized, as you were talking, that I have not been asking myself any of those questions. Mm. I literally stopped. And I can see why I'm where I am because I stopped asking myself certain questions because I didn't want the answers, right? I just wanted to ignore it. And, you know, I was okay, so it was not a big deal. Now, when we come back from this commercial break... We're going to be uh, talking more with you, Melissa, about some some tips and some tactics and strategies that people can do. But what is one question you'd like to have people go into this commercial break thinking about so that when they come back, we can get totally into the conversation? I think the, the one question that I'd love for everybody to be thinking about is what do you want? What, what are you not, what have you not achieved that you want financially? What is the and what is that big gap? And um, and if anybody wants to write in, um, write in some questions. We can uh, hit those about how how do you achieve that? Does awesome. That question make any sense? It, it did. So, what have you not achieved financially that you'd like to achieve? What's the what's the big thing that's sitting out there for you that would change your life for you financially and otherwise? If you could answer the question, we'll be right back with more from Melissa Tissetti. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. All right, so before the commercial break, which for you on the podcast, I don't include the commercial breaks, so you just really are going right into this. Uh, we posed the question about, you know, what what might be the one thing that you really haven't achieved financially or otherwise that you'd like to. But Melissa, for some people, they can't even begin to think about that. They, it's such a, a big thought mm-hmm. and there's so many financial stressors in their lives. How do you start with something like that for some, for those people? I mean, I know you advise clients, you do one-on-ones with people, you have amazing online courses and stuff that you do. But how does somebody get started other than awareness of they have a problem mm-hmm. um, to pick something? Um, you know, I think that if, you, if, you're, if you're overwhelmed by everything, the thing that is itching the most, 
So you may have many things that are bothering you, the fact that you've got maybe kids and you don't have that college fund started. You've got, um, you know, it's it's the, the, the retirement. Maybe you're not fully funding your 401K or um, uh, the emergency savings account. You know you need to have one, but you, you know, you're overwhelmed by everything else. The thought of even that is, is, um, is overwhelming. So one of the things that I would suggest is the one that is itching the most, the one that, that can, continues to kind of come to thought the most, maybe that's the one that you start with. Um, or if you need um, a, a suggestion, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of it's a, it's, a, it's a cliche, but it's so true, that idea of putting the oxygen mask on you first before you're able to help anybody in the, in a, you know, in the event that your plane is, you know, losing cabin pressure. Um, it's, it's the same idea. I think that starting with, if you do not have an emergency fund, um, starting there is, is a great place. It feels good. It may not feel good at, at first. <laughs> that thought of maybe, you know, you would rather spend that money elsewhere. But, but in actuality, when you start it, it really does feel good. Um, and uh, you know, just giving yourself a starting point there and starting with a small number. I, um, I, I think, you know, I, I'm a martial artist. Um, and one of the things that martial arts taught me is that if I just kept showing up, if I just kept taking class, that I would achieve the bigger goals. But those bigger goals started with me going, you know, taking taking this class and I'm just going to focus on this class and then the next class and then the next class. It's the same idea with those big financial goals. If you look too broadly at them, it's like, oh, my God, how am I ever going to be able to save three months' worth of, you know, essential expenses? Well, yeah, that's an overwhelming thought. But you know what? If you break that down and think, okay, if I just save $20 every paycheck and just start there, set it up automatically, set it up and forget it, um, and then maybe three months from now see if I can increase that by maybe another $10 or another $20 and just get there in baby steps. To me, that's what's helped clients get where they want to go. That's what helped me get where I want to be. And if $20 is too much to start, $5. Exactly, exactly. In fact, if you start to realize that it's not a, you're not contributing to your emergency fund, that's really actually a holding account. <laughs> And you're pulling from that. That means that you're. That's telling you something. That means that you're saving too much. And so scale that back. Um, at the same time, though, also look at what you're purchasing. Look at look at where your money is going. And um, I think that is the big thing. Laura, I don't know that we got time to talk about all this stuff. I could talk about this for ten hours. Well, we, you know, we've got an hour, so go for it. Our, our <laughs> I'll try. I'll try to 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 to, to keep it um, uh, be as concise as possible. But I think that the the biggest thing about living savvy and really kind of initially getting started is to start asking yourself the questions of the things that you're purchasing. Am I getting the most value out of them? Do I really love these items, or am I just kind of getting distracted? Because if you open up your email or you walk into a store, there. There is so much pollution out there of things to buy, things to do, things to – everybody's clamoring for your attention. If you're not driving your own bus, you're going to be a pinball and go wherever they direct you to go. Does, does that make sense? It, it does. You know, and I was thinking about that the other day as we purged um, my mom's closet of a ton of shirts and realized that there were a whole bunch that still had price tags on it. Right. Because it's something mom loves to do. And I love to do it, too. I was raised shopping. We love to mm-hmm. shop. It feels really good when you find something you love and bring it home. But is it a distraction? 
And I know my mom's oh. listening to the show right now because she's in the back in the studio. So I'm in for it later. I know I am. <laughs> well, and I would I would actually question, and, and, and I'm going to get in the doghouse with your mom, and I apologize in advance, but I would actually question, are those things that you really loved if they have the tag still on them? And some or of it... Or was it the purchase of that that you loved? Yeah. that that's Oh, that's a really good point. Is it the purchase of things that you love... Or the mm-hmm. things themselves? That's a great tweetable question. <laughs> I'm writing that down. No, I'm, I, anybody out there listening right now, I, I know that we have a whole bunch of you that like to tweet out stuff from the show, so that is the perfect tweet comment. Is it the purchase of the th- item that you love or the item itself? I think everybody should be thinking about that. So w- are there some areas that you find more people most often overspend? And to be, I want to clarify, to me, overspending is to spend money on something you're not getting the most value out of. Um, there, There's one, in my experience of working with over 400 clients um, and, and talking about this across the United States and having people come up to me, the number one area where I find that we're overspending is on food. And that is comes in a couple different ways. That comes in not having a, a system and routine to getting to the grocery store on a regular basis, and so eating out more often than we would really like. And so that is a tendency to spend money on whether it's takeout or dining out or whatever, whatever that is, but also on calories, right? Um, especially right now, these are the two things that we're most conscious of is, is, is uh, uh, cash and calories. <laughs> um, or it's getting to the grocery store without a plan and really having no skills around grocery shopping and overspending there. I have one client that I worked with. They're, they're, they're my poster child. We created structure for them around grocery shopping, and they were spending $1,500 a month on food um, for a family of five, and it was absolute chaos, absolute chaos in their life. And we created structure around getting groceries into their house on a regular basis. We created structure around them dining out and really looking forward to dining out and shifting that. And we ended up saving them $750 a month and about two hours in their week. Okay, so take me through what that means. So one of the things is, again, this is one of my favorite stories because it is so typical. So this was a family, the mom, um, it was three kids all under the age of 12, and both parents worked, and they were just so busy, and to me, this is one of the catalysts for why we struggle with our finances, is because we're running a million miles an hour in 15 different directions. It's our lifestyle now is just so frenetic, and now you add three kids into the mix, and it gets even more so, right? So, in this particular case, the mom, <clears throat> every time she'd go to the grocery store, she was overwhelmed by it, so she didn't. Um, uh, she didn't really have a system. She avoided it. She she. It, three, four times a week, she would think about what's for dinner and realize there was no food in the house, so she was taking extra time to swing by and get takeout. She'd bring the takeout home and look down and realize there was no cat food, so she'd have to go back out anyway and get cat food. So it was all these, like, one-offs, and she was spending so much money, extra money, on food overall. So we created structure for them, and because she hated going to the grocery store so much, we found that it was worth her spending the money on the delivery fee to have groceries delivered to her. So Thursday nights, she got her three kids with her, and she sat at her um, computer, and the kids would run around, and they would look at what was missing of the staples, what needed to be replenished, milk, flour, that kind of thing. 
And then her kids would help her decide three meals to make for dinner the following week. And um, the, the idea is, you know, cook once, eat twice, and with one or two nights for takeout or, or, to dining out, or to dine out. And the beauty of it is that she would then order the groceries, they'd be delivered on Saturday, and her house was set. And she knew what was for dinner the next week. Um, we were able to teach her kids money skills by t- teaching them how to grocery shop. That's a money skill. Um, they couldn't complain about what's for dinner because they helped create it. And all the pressure wasn't on her to do it all. And that ended up cutting her food bill in half, and it gave her extra hours in the week because she wasn't running around all the time. Um, and her stress level just plummeted. I'm loving that. <laughs> and, and we're... <laughs> We're going to be going into the news break. Um, so what is a question based on what we were just talking about that you'd like everybody to think about as we go into the news break? I, I think that, you know, what in your life is where you're finding that kind of chaos? And I can almost guarantee you that that goes back to some sort of financial gap in your life, some, some financial um, uh, issue in your life. So think about where is it that you find yourself just struggling on a day-to-day basis, whether it's what's for dinner or um, uh, how am I going to, you know, wh- where is the money going? And um, I, th- I think from there, you can start to follow that that stress back and figure out how to fix it. Perfect. So we got a couple of questions. Where is the chaos in your life? Everybody start thinking about that during this break. And how is it tied to some financial thing? And then I'm also thinking about, hey, mom, listening in the studio in the back. What's for dinner tonight? (laughs) We'll be right back. I love that question. Remember, the right questions can change your life, and we're teaching you some new ones. Have you written them down? Tweet at the Laura Stewart. So before the news break, we were posed the question by Melissa of where is the chaos in your life? And typically, a lot of the chaos in your life is often tied to some financial stressor. And then also I posed to my mother, what's for dinner? And she hasn't come into the studio room to tell me yet. And I'm, I'm glad about that because there's all sorts of noise when that happens. But when I come out, I'm looking forward to hearing what's for dinner. Um, I'm kind of hoping it's fried shrimp. I love my mother's fried shrimp. And I like never eat fried foods. So <laughs> all of a sudden I'm craving fried shrimp. But Melissa, you know, during the break we were talking about, you know, the journey and um, – just thoughts and, and processes, and, and also about uh, Patricia Knoll, who tweeted out to mm-hmm. us, uh, is it the purchase of the item that you love, or is it the item yourself? Thank you, Patricia, as always, for listening to the show and, and sharing. And I love the hashtag on one of your tweets, hashtag want to make savvy financial choices. Love, love, love that. Mm-hmm. Um, for anybody else who'd like to tweet, we my Twitter handle is at the Laura Stewart and Melissa's is at the Savvy Life. So tag her in your tweets and let's keep this conversation going. Melissa, a couple of people have asked, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, you can get in touch with me via email at Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at the Savvy Life, the name of my company. Um, can I get my phone number out? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, or if you would like to contact me by phone, my number is 650-299-1500. Again, it's 650-299-1500. Perfect. And it's Melissa at thesavvylife.com. So obviously the website Correct. is thesavvylife.com. The book mm-hmm. is Living the Savvy Life, The Savvy Woman's Guide to Smart Spending and Rich Living. And that does not mean that if you are a man, you can't read this book because she co-authored <laughs> it with Kevin Givens. 
Uh, I did. And it's an absolutely fantastic book. Now, one of the things in here that I love is the tips. You have top 10 tips for the home. Uh, Mm -hmm. You have plans for daily habits and weekly cleaning and scheduling and things like that. So the savvy life is not just about just spending or not spending. What is to you living a savvy life? To me, living a savvy life is really about the the, 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 the the basics of it is it's about building a financial foundation, building a strong financial foundation by putting money into savings, contributing to your retirement fund, but while enjoying the journey, being able to go on the trips that you want to go on to build a wardrobe. But, but the way that that happens is that, you know, that's really kind of just the the ultimate goal of it that happens by really being conscious on a daily basis of where is your money going, right? And um, and and thinking through and crafting the life that you want to live. What do you want your house to look like? Um, streamlining your house, getting rid of the clutter, only bringing in things that you love. Um, getting rid of all the clothes that you don't wear that are just making you feel guilty. I don't care how much money you spent on it, let it go. Somebody else can actually use it. Um, and building a wardrobe, focusing on um, an interconnective. I always joke around about, um, Laura, are you old enough to remember Garanimals? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that our wardrobe should be like Garanimals where everything is interconnected, right? Um, that, you know, we're streamlining where we're spending money on, you know, I, I just saw a quote actually by um, our publisher, um, David Hancock, from Morgan James Publishing. He said that uh, he saw a quote that I think it was 80% of the books that people buy don't get read. So how much money do you have in your bookshelf that's sitting there of unread books? So it's that idea of, of, of really just being purposeful with where you spend your time, purposeful with where you spend your money, but you've got to have in your idea a vision of you, what you want that to look like. And the fact is, is that you're, what, what savvy living is about is about, you know, you've got to pay attention to your finances because your finances is what funds the life you want to live. So it's interconnected. Does that make sense? So the question I got out of that is, are you being purposeful about your time and oh about your finances? A huge one. Yep. I love that. That's, you know, it, when you say it, it sounds so simple. Yet, for, I know. <laughs> yeah, but for so many, you know, at different points and times of our life, it, it's overwhelming. Well, and yeah, that's why I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. That's well, a good point. Yeah, okay. it's you know what. Because it's not just because it's it's about the lifestyle, right? It's about all of it. It's not just about creating a spending plan, which is the word I use for a budget. Um, it's about knowing where you want your money to go and having a plan for it, right? Having a plan for the vacations, having a plan for for the clothes, um, versus feeling guilty about any time that you spend money on clothes if you haven't right fully funded your emergency account. Well, you gotta you gotta clothe yourself, otherwise you're gonna get in trouble for going to work naked, right? Um, so you got to have you got to have money going into all these different places, but again, it's it's having a plan and flow for it. Um, but it's but it's about it's it's about also the fact that money comes in and out of our bank accounts and out of our credit cards and out of the, there's there's so many different moving pieces to our financial life anymore. You can't, the same rules can't apply that they applied 20 years ago to the way that we manage our money, let alone two years ago, right? 
two years two years ago, I would have said, you know what, if you're struggling with your credit card debt, don't use your credit cards anymore. Well, you know what, if you use a debit card, buying any making any purchase online, you're that you're putting yourself at such huge risk. Same rules don't apply. So how do you manage that? That's what I do. Okay, so tell me why using your debit card online puts you at such risk. Because the, you're, when, um, when you use your debit card online to make a purchase, you are making yourself vulnerable to online hackers um, to be able to access your bank accounts and potentially not just get to that account but to savings and, and, and other areas. When you use a credit card, credit card companies, because they're vulnerable <laughs> as well, they're, they're very good, and banks are as well, they're, they're very good about um, helping you to, uh, uh, you know, to shut that down, but your bank account could potentially be shut down, or you might not have access to that money when the rents do or your mortgages do, whereas if you use your credit cards, that credit card just gets shut down and it gets replaced. It's, it's a much smoother, faster system rather than, again, your actual money being vulnerable. Does that, does that make sense? It, it does. I actually have some friends that have cards specifically for online buying. They have a bank account specifically for online buying that they keep a very minimal amount in and only transfer money into when they know they're making a purchase. I don't know if that's yeah, an extreme that. or not, but I think it's great. Yep, yep, I love that. It's got to be separated because it's 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 a, it's a sad sad thing that it has to be so complicated, but but at the same time if you look at it as it giving you an opportunity to think through those online purchases. <laughs> and you can look at it as a positive. And I shop with my American Express card online. That's my main card because I like the protection mechanisms that they have mm-hmm. in place and I know I'm only using that card on, on I use it everywhere, but it's online and Mm-hmm. They've been very supportive. You know, they were the first people to ever give me credit, and I have to pay it off every month. Right. So it's harder to get into trouble. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And uh, if you, the consequences are, are are pretty severe if you don't pay it off. Yes. <laughs> very. Very yes. much so. <laughs> okay. So you met. You talk about something called the goldfish syndrome. <laughs> Explain that to my my sure. listeners. So. Um, goldfish are funny little creatures. If they, if you have them in a small goldfish bowl, they swim around. They're happy. They're they're good. But if you put them in a pond, they will start to grow to the to the to their environment. They will get bigger and bigger and bigger. We do the same things with our paychecks. If we have when we're making you know a little bit of money, we're sticking or for the most part, sticking within our paycheck. But as our paychecks get bigger, we have a tendency to increase our cost of living with it uh, to the point where I work with clients that are making $500,000 a year and are baffled because they are still living paycheck to paycheck. And that's because every time they got that pay increase, they got a bigger car or a bigger house or they, they just expanded to their environment and never gave themselves an opportunity to be able to really create true wealth by deciding what is enough, and then the, the increase in salary actually gets put towards their bigger financial goals. It's something that we do. We don't even do it consciously, but this is something I, I, I deal with every single day. I have, cli- I have clients that just increase their salary by $70,000, and already they're at their maximum again. That's frightening. It's frightening, and unfortunately, it's something that we, as I said, we just do unconsciously. But if we can really 
boy, if you are 20 years old right now and you understand and you get this, oh, my God, your potential and your opportunities to build true wealth are enormous. And I'm not – that is not like a um, – uh, uh, th- that is a statement of fact because I've seen it. I've seen people who've done it right, and I've seen people who have struggled with it. All right. Well, we're going to go into our last commercial break. We're here with Melissa Tassetti talking about living the savvy life, and are you being purposeful about your time and your finances? That's the question we're going to ask you to think about as you go into this commercial break and start writing down where you are spending your money. And we'll be right back with more from the amazing and savvy Melissa Tassetti. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard to believe the show is almost over. And (laughs) we can definitely talk about this for hours and hours. And in 2016, one of my goals is to start doing a webinar series where I take my guests from the show and we do webinars together and take it to another level where people can really engage on another level. So um, I'm hoping that you and I can do that. And you were talking about a webinar that you have coming up on money skills. And you're like, it's a happy one. <laughs> <laughs> like when you said that. because <laughs> All my conversations about money are positive. <laughs> and that's, I think, one of the truly special things about you. Because most money conversations for, let's say, 90% of the population are very stressful. Mm-hmm. Even, even if they're in good financial shape the conversation about money is stressful. Why do you think that is? I think that we are, first of all, I think that we're embarrassed about what we don't know. I know that I spent years um, uh, not knowing, you know, what what does tractor spending mean? I think most people don't know what that means. And um, uh, I think, so I think there's an embarrassment around it. There's an embarrassment around where we're spending our money. Having been there, man, there is no judgments on my part. I'm the last person that can point fingers. All I ever have to say, I don't care. I've had people come to me with $150,000 in credit card debt. It's like, okay, let's, let's, let's get started and figure out how to, how to get you to pay that down as quickly and efficiently as possible. You can't have judgments on something, on an area where you struggled <laughs> yourself. And, um, uh, I think that if we can get over the embarrassment and just roll up our sleeves and start somewhere, your life will just shift, absolutely shift. Because you know what? Money funds just about everything that we do. You know, we, we like to think that money isn't important, but I'm sorry it is. It helps the people in need. Um, it allows you to do the things that you want to do, um, live the life that you want to live. Um, money is not evil, um, and I think that that's the other thing is that we, we get embarrassed if we're focusing on it because of that, hearing negative things about anybody who pays attention to money, people who are rich. Um, they obviously got that way because they were, they were bad people. No. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not, that's not the case at all. I shouldn't say that. Of course, some, right? But you can see, you know, there's poor people that aren't the best people in the world. So there you go. <laughs> that's a really good point. You know, somebody once, uh, and actually it was a, a priest friend of mine, he said to me, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money to the exclusion yep. of anything else is the root of all evil. Yep. Yep. And I, I have one of my favorite people in this world. She's a financial advisor, and she is very spiritual, and she is also very wealthy. And she does. She lives an amazing life. But man, that woman gives back like nobody I've ever met. And that's what it's really all about. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. let's pose this out there then. 
if people are getting ready for 2016, which all of us are, because it's mm-hmm. in what five days, less than that. Three, Actually, three, one, two, three. Yep. Three days. Okay, <laughs> so in three days we are in 2016. Mm-hmm. What are some steps that people can take starting now to achieve their financial goals in 2016? I think the biggest thing with goals is that we we have the goal, but we don't necessarily take the time to create the plan to make it, right? It's like I want to have a save. I want to have, let's just say, be able to save within 2016 uh, one month of salary in an emergency fund, right? Let's say that that's your goal. Um, but have you figured out how much that you would need to save every single month in order to make that happen? So that would be one step is how much do you actually need to be saving every single month in order to make that happen? Then if that feels like, okay, now I know how much it is, but I don't know how I'm going to be able to save that amount, then you take the next step of, well, where is my money going? If I, if I don't think I can save that much, where is my money going? And then it's creating the, uh, maybe the next step is, well, if I start tracking my spending on a daily basis, I can start to see where my money's going and start to shift it and really be conscious of um, the, the decisions I'm making on a daily basis. So it's really, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a Tony Robbins tactic, which is basically to chunk it down. You've got to figure out the, the things that you need to do on a daily basis in order to achieve that goal. And I wish I could tell you, do this, right? I, I, I would say, though, that tracking your spending is a fantastic habit, because it's really going to give you the, the data to analyze on a regular basis. That sounds overwhelming. That sounds too businessy. It's going to just give you the information that you need in order to judge if the money is going where you want it to go. Okay, so that would be one tactic that I believe, that I can tell you, that I know for a fact will help you to get to where you want to go. And you know what? Every time, every day that you track your spending, put a little happy face on your calendar. I'm a big fan of tracking stuff like that, and pretty soon you're going to see all these little happy faces <laughs> on your calendar, all the days that you did what you need to do in order to gain control of your finances, and you can build on that. It, I love that you said happy face because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like what we talked about where people get so stressed over it, and it doesn't need to be a stressful thing. If you chunk it down, as you said, Pick one thing and start with that. Right. But how do you know the one thing until you, unless you're tracking? Exactly. And, you know, with, with tracking, it's funny because the clients that resist tracking the most, you know, the ones that, you know, it's like trying to give a cat a bath, <laughs> they are the ones that become the biggest advocates of it. It's a, it's a game to them. And because what they realize is that it's not punishment. What tracking your spending does is it allows you to see where your money's going and it allows you to realize, you know what, I was spending, um, you know, every time I walk into Target, I spend $200 and I'm looking around and I've got clutter. And so if I walk into Target and I can really stay on point and make sure I'm only coming home with things that I want, then I'm reducing the clutter and I can refocus that money on that trip to Italy I've been wanting to take. Um, or, you know, whatever, whatever that bigger goal is, but it allows you to repurpose that money and make sure that money is going where you want it to go. And when you start to get those small successes and you start to realize that you can actually do it, it's, you become an advocate for it. And anyone can do it. It's just a matter of taking the time and putting some focus on it. I, that's what I hear you saying. Exactly, exactly. You know what, Quicken is a great tool, but you don't have to go out and purchase a software program. 
um, you can use an Excel spreadsheet and run it like a check register. You can use a check register to track your spending. You can use, um, I have clients that use a pad of paper and a pencil. I always liken it to, you know, during the, uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge history buff, and during the Victorian time period, the, the woman of the house kept the, uh, the house expenses. She, you know, she spent time every day writing out what, what was spent at the butcher and what was spent, you know, the salary, the, the housekeeper's salary. All that was tracked. And if you think of it from a kind of a beautiful, um, fun standpoint like that, which, you know, I, not everybody may enjoy history as much as I do. <laughs> but, but, it, but if you look at it from that standpoint, it, you know, and shift the way you're thinking about it, you make it fun. Make it fun. It's a game. And you get to win money at the end, right? And you can teach your children if you have children by getting them involved in that process as well and teach them money skills. So, Melissa, I know that you have some wonderful free resources on your website that you had mentioned during the break that will also enable people to find out when your webinar is because the information is not posted. So tell me what's up there that people can get to. You got it. You got it. So um, on my website, if you go to um, uh, jump over the homepage and go to any of the other pages, on the right-hand side you're going to see you can um, enter in your information and receive a document that explains how to save 20 to 80% on just about everything you buy. great way to walk into the new year is to be able to have these um, smart spending skills um, on everything from food to clothes and how to just make sure that you can take advantage of sales um, by timing your purchases. This is a document that will explain how you do that. Um, and you can find it on my website, thesavvylife.com. And on, as you had mentioned, I'm doing a webinar actually on January 14th, and I apologize that the uh, information isn't up yet about that. I will fully admit that I took um, uh, the last half of last week off for the holidays, which was a good good decision. <laughs> it's a very good decision. Um, thank you. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, on January 14th, and that's going to be a money skills class, just day-to-day money skills, talking about tracking your spending, how to find more money to put into your emergency fund, how to find more money to do the things that you want to do. Perfect. So everybody go to thesavvylife.com and you can reach out to Melissa at melissa at thesavvylife.com. And there's such great resources. And if you are on my book website, whatwouldawisewomando.com, in the top right corner, you click on book resources. There is a spreadsheet up there to help you do your tracking that I got from Melissa. I asked her if she would let me put that up on my website. And if you've read my book, what would a wise woman do? I talk about Melissa in my book (laughs) (laughs) and I encourage everybody to get this book. And this is not going to be 80% of those books that you don't read on your bookshelf. Anywhere books are sold, living the savvy life, the savvy woman's guide to smart spending and rich living, get it for somebody you love and care about today. Um, know that there is so much great information in there. There's great information on Melissa's website. Thank you for being with me today. Um, oh, it was my absolute pleasure. Thank you. It was. It's always fun talking with you. <laughs> same here. And remember, everybody, the right questions can change your life. And as you go into 2016, if you've been asking the same question over and over again and getting nowhere, maybe you need to be asking yourself a different question. If you're not sure, ask me. You can reach out to me at Laura at laurastewart.com and go to itsallaboutthequestions.com to listen to all of our previous podcasts or iTunes, your favorite place. Have a great new year, everyone. See you next year. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. 
Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.